5: The journey to a COVID-19 vaccine began decades ago with research on earlier coronaviruses. Scientists built on that with months more of research and development, worldwide cooperation and clinical trials on tens of thousands of diverse volunteers. Finally, they arrived at a safe, effective vaccine. The next step on the journey is yours. Discover the facts at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
6: This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we uh, roll into Hour 2 of uh, Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. And uh, joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rozycki. Paul, welcome back.
3: Always good to be here.
6: And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back. Thank you. And always fun to have uh, with us the East Village Magazine Consulting <coughs> Editor, Jan Worth Nelson. Jan, welcome back to you as well.
2: It's a my pleasure, Tom. It's really fun.
6: Um, I, I, I want to wrap up the uh, the city council uh, uh announcements of of candidates running in the august primary it's still very early the deadline for getting those petitions in isn't until the middle of april and um so this is not by any means a complete or even an official list. These are people who have taken out petitions and intend to run for these various seats, like in Ward 7, for example, uh, the people who've taken out uh, petitions as of last Thursday, Lakeisha Terad, uh, Tanya Davis, the incumbent Monica Galloway, and uh, Allie Herkenroder. I think is how you pronounce that last name. Um, I... Tanya Davis sounds familiar, but it's one of those familiar-sounding names. I'm not sure I'm familiar with any of these other than the incumbent in Ward 7. Yeah. Anybody recognize anyone? Any thoughts?
2: Well, the last one, whose name I can't pronounce, I, I live in the 7th Ward, Ward—and uh, so I've been hearing a little bit about these candidates, Well, her in particular. She did a virtual sort of town hall or something.
3: Yeah, I, I, I saw a notice of that.
2: Yeah and I I didn't get in on it um but I know she's she's really jumping into it with both feet it sounds like so yeah. I guess we'll find out more about her soon um that's the only one I've heard anything from people uh there's a lot of strong feelings about Monica Galloway it seems to me both positive and negative um she has uh she has um uh, well I don't know what to say about it I I think um uh, people were disappointed by her be- her her uh, the way that she got into it with Eric uh, all the time, Eric Mays all the time, uh, and her hot temper sometimes didn't serve her well. Uh, but so anyway, it'll be interesting to see whether there's a a strong uh, back, uh, backlash to her. I think a lot of people are a little unhappy, but you know, there's some that have supported her too. So
3: yeah, yeah, there's two. Uh, on LaKeisha Turo is over here on Second Street. I've Dropped off an East Village magazine to her house the other day. Some, somebody told me, but I, I have not met her yet, so I, I don't know much about her either. Uh.
6: Well, in Ward 8, this one's kind of interesting. Um, those that have taken out petitions so far as of last Thursday Thomas Ross, uh, the incumbent, Alan Griggs, Joyce McNeil, and uh, Wendy Braun. Yeah. So Ellen Briggs Mc... uh, may be difficult to
3: defeat.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a,
3: he's, a, he's a quiet guy, but he brings a lot of expertise to the council. Yeah, he doesn't speak he, up a lot. He does, way.
1: and he's a common sense kind of a guy. You know, he's yeah. kind of the middle of the road; doesn't drift too far from the center, and with outlandish uh, proposals. and
6: you know, I didn't engagement. to be honest with you, when I first met Alan Griggs, he was a recently announced candidate for that seat. I hadn't heard of him, I didn't know him, I hadn't met him. And I liked him right off the bat, mm-hmm. but I didn't think he had a snowballs chance in Flint <laughs> to 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 um to win that seat. And he did. Yeah. And, and as you say, and, and I remember thinking at the time that, uh, as Henry has said, you know, he, he has some expertise that, that I think is valuable for mm-hmm. a council member uh, for what it's worth. But then, you know, I know Joyce McNeil and Wendy Braun both pretty well. I don't know Thomas Ross. Um, and, and both of them have been active in their ways.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wendy's married to John Daly, who's, of course, who just got elected to the to the mod board last year, and <clears throat> has been. Well, he also serves with, as with,
6: uh, transportation <laughs> director for the city.
3: That's right. Yeah, yeah. The, the the roads guy. So he's got a lot of experience himself. So and the, that the family has been very active. Um, uh, I don't know that. And again, that ward is is mostly Long Miller Road area there, so. Uh, it's. Uh, I, I think I would give. I give Griggs the inside track on as an incumbent, but I can see a couple of the other names having their own support there as well.
6: I, I've got. I've got to set this discussion aside in my uh, in my library and refer back to it when we when we get through uh, the August primary and see right <laughs> and, and see how some yeah. of the some of this analysis holds up, uh, and finally the the ninth ward. Um, Eva Worthing, the incumbent, has taken out petitions, as has Ronald Wah, Waugh, W-A-U-G-H. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that name or not. No, it but doesn't I'm, ring a bell for me either. I, you know, as, as much attention has been directed um, at Eva Worthing uh, by other council members and some of the the flack that she has taken, I'm surprised there aren't more candidates in the Ninth Ward.
3: Yeah, yeah. I i heard a rumor, and I just maybe, it's totally unsubstantiated, that Scott Kincaid was thinking about taking a shot at it, but I thought he'd moved out of the
6: area. Yeah, I oh. thought so, too. I, anybody I else heard, heard anything that,
3: along those lines? I haven't. I mean, Yeah, and I've forgotten who told it to me, and I don't know if there's any any support to it at all.
6: Well, and that raises an uh, interesting question. Uh, You know, it's a time when a lot of people are starting to show some interest early in the process um, for the city council uh, primary election in August, and yet there's only one challenger to Eva Worthing. But I wonder if historically people in Ward 9 don't think about running for the city council because for decades it was going to be Scott Kincaid, no matter that's what. That's
3: true. That's that's true. Yeah, yeah.
6: It's just not a uh, ward that people think is ever really open to run in.
3: Yeah, and in fact, I think as I recall, Ruthing won after Kincaid pulled out the last right. time, she I didn't
6: was. have a chance against Scott yeah. Kincaid. Yeah, yeah, and. And then all of a sudden, you know, she was the last person standing. Yeah. Well, nominating petitions are available in the Flint City Clerk's Office for candidates interested in running for one of the nine seats on uh, council in uh, elections later this year. Because of the coronavirus pandemic, petitions are available by appointment only through the clerk's office. And appointments can be made by calling 810 766 one, four, Under the Flint City uh, Charter, nominating petitions must be signed by at least 75 registered voters from the ward in which the elections is held. Um, overall, are you expecting any changes really aside from the third ward?
2: Mm. You mean in uh, Guerra's?
6: Yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be a change there because the incumbent is not running. But in the uh, but in the other eight wards, you, do you think there, that that the incumbents will get reelected, or will we see some changes?
3: Uh, my, my gut reaction is that I think come November, I think we're going to see significant changes. I, I don't know who, but I think there's going to be kind of I think there's enough anti-council reaction throughout the city that incumbents may be in trouble so I uh, I think there'll be some significant changes and uh, in several incumbents I think will probably end up losing but exactly who I really don't know
2: I, I'm going to predict that um, that Galloway is going to run into some trouble in the 7th Ward yeah I think yeah,
3: that's, yeah, that could be a, could be accurate yeah
2: okay. did I hear you say Joyce Ellis McNeil is uh, put in a petition for her ward Did did that
6: did I hear you right? No, she's uh, she put in a petition for Ward Eight.
2: So she's on the Flint School Board.
1: Hmm.
3: That's- could be a Does conflict that raise there. a conflict of interest. I, that's an interesting point. Yeah, could, could I don't
1: be. be. She has to resign one uh, to yeah, accept the other yeah. because you cannot accept money from two governmental sources. That's really mm-hmm. weird. That's
6: the criteria. And, and the school boards well, are we shall, part of government. We shall see. Um, yeah. Governor Gretchen Whitmer said Tuesday she will not agree to an extension of the Michigan National Guard's deployment at the U.S. Capitol after she recently had to raise concerns about the quality of the food the troops were receiving. Also Tuesday, the entire Michigan congressional delegation signed a letter calling on the National Guard to cancel a contract resulting in members receiving unacceptable and inadequate quality of food while deployed to the U.S. Capitol, and a similar resolution passed the state Senate with bipartisan support. Whitmer said a 1,000 Guard members were sent to Washington, D.C. to help with security shortly after the inauguration of President Joe Biden on January 20th. She said that deployment requested by the U.S. Capitol Police ends March 12th. Should command and control be reminded that an army travels on its stomach?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, those are those <coughs> my... Really disturbing stories to hear. You know, in The nation's capital, they couldn't, couldn't bring them good food.
1: Yeah. Oh, boy, and that's, <clears throat> that is a sad sight to see all of those barricades and ramparts. Who are leaders uh, sealed behind walls? And yeah. the Constitution provides for them to be open and accessible to the public.
6: Well, there didn't used to be any fence. Around the White House, yes, it was right. just
1: uh, they were building right. in the prairie, and there in this country there was still you know, insurgents like from Great Britain and from Spain and from Russia and all of those people who wanted to carve this country up, but yet these places remained on the prairie, away from education, where people could go anytime they wanted to, and felt secure. We, and now we, we're all locked up behind these walls. You know. It's a pitiful sight for pitiful. people who it love
6: pitiful. that well, place as much as I do. Well, Michigan departments will review their use of separation agreements, a practice garnering considerable outrage after news of a $155,000 deal with a confidentiality clause for the ex-Health Department director came to light. In an email sent Friday afternoon to department heads, Michigan Chief Operating Officer Trish Foster implied there may be changes to how these agreements are reached in the future. Should there be changes to these agreements?
3: Oh, I would think so. I mean those those just they just smell when, when those things come out. Yes, like they that. Do. I mean, you know, many I mean many, you know now there are there are serpents' deals that people have for all kind of businesses I know, but the way those things came out, they they really they, they look so bad.
6: Okay, well on that note, um but, before we dig into anything else, I have another uh Another break coming up here, but we'll get to uh, a couple more stories uh, from Lansing, and we'll move on to Washington in the next segment. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM, our uh, Voices Radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions, and my friend, Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And then we'll return with more Armchair Politics featuring our Roundtable regulars Paul Rozicki and Henry Hatter joined by Jan Worth Nelson. Don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. Hello darling, this is Elvira,
2: Mistress of the Dark with
3: Tom Sumner.
1: Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner program.com.
2: Hello,
6: this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue armchair politics with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. Um, A rising star in Michigan's Democratic Party now has two jobs. He's an elected member of the Wayne County Commission and a chief deputy director at the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. And that, two experts say may be a conflict prohibited by state law. For David Nezik, Jr. of Dearborn Heights, it also means that he's collecting two paychecks from taxpayers in Michigan, plus he gets a $500 amount um, a month vehicle allowance from the county. Nizek who lost his state senate seat in 2018 to a political unknown is one of three chief deputy directors at the health department, which is at the center of the state's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. He earns $155,000 a year. Prior to starting that job on February 15th, Nizek was director of legislative affairs for Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel for just over two years. That job paid $115,000 a year until he scaled back his hours to accommodate county commission meetings. His biography on the MDHHS website doesn't mention his position on the Wayne County Commission, which he joined more than a year ago, and his biography on the Wayne County website doesn't mention his state job. According to the county's website, Nizek was uh, appointed to the commission in February 2020 and elected by voters to the job in November 2020. He represents Dearborn Heights. Redford Township and part of Livonia. That job pays sixty-two five a year, plus the car allowance. MDHHS uh, said it has not requested an official legal review to determine whether Nisik's two jobs are a conflict, but may do so in the future. Is a clear conflict of interest present?
3: Yes. It, it, it yeah. seems that way, yeah. I, I, in fact, yeah. I think, isn't there some state law or policy that defines the conflict somehow as, as if you have overlapping taxing districts?
6: Yeah, I think I, 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 it, there's something like that. I'm not sure that. the details of that. Um, I'm not sure how it lays out for the state, but I know um, that the federal government um, has a restriction about being paid by two branches of government.
3: yeah. Um, you can't, I, I know you can't like run
6: for two uh, branches of, of government at the same time. You can't run, say, for re-election to a city council seat and be a candidate for mayor.
3: Right, yeah. Right. I, 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 somehow Hi. I recall that issue came up one time when there was somebody who was on the mod board who was thinking about running for city council, and in the end, she didn't win anyhow, but, I mean, she, she would have had to make a choice of staying on the Mott Board or going with the city council if she had won that election some years mm-hmm. ago. So that, that's one one case that comes to mind locally here, at least.
1: Each, each year, <clears throat> every institution has to sign a conflict of interest uh, designation form. And the proviso has to do with... <clears throat> whether what you're doing is in conflict with something else. And they ask all of the right questions. Like for example, I serve on the Hamilton Board, Hamilton Community Healthcare. And I have to go through this uh, <clears throat> conflict of interest that uh, request information as to whether I am deriving monies by, in any capacity on the um, on this board as a salary, or do I have a spouse that does the same thing or a child mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and there is, I know that I was elected to a, <clears throat> I was appointed to a board that has to do with the public taxes. And I don't remember the name of the taxes it's where everybody votes for this and the county so that people who are left behind get relief for health care. I don't remember the name of that board, but they told me, they wrote to me and said I was in conflict of interest because I was deriving money from two different sources. I'm sorry, I can't get any closer to that, but that's what it was about.
3: You know, Henry. The only exception I can think of is that sometimes I've heard, and again, maybe you know this better than I do, is that when there is a potential conflict, some if you're on a board, some people may simply choose to abstain from votes where there there might be seen to be a conflict. If you're voting on yeah. appropriations for yeah. some department you're working for, you simply choose not to vote, or you have you abstain from that voting. I've heard of that happening occasionally too. Yeah, an
6: example of that might be somebody that works for the health department and they sit on a city council and the city council is going to fund something for right. that right. Uh, from that yeah. from some health program that they offer and and the person would simply just abstain from voting on that particular issue yeah. which you know is is one way of addressing it. Well, there are mixed messages. Another Another go. example, if I could quickly... Yeah, go ahead. ...is that I, I, re- I
1: remember the case at the Clio Board of Education where uh, there was a man and his wife worked for the school community. Now, for raises, employee raises, he had to sustain himself. That's how he got around. He didn't vote mm-hmm. for anything pertaining to wages, even if his, wife, his spouse was not directly... Uh, identify it as one of those. But
6: for wages, you strictly stay out of the Well, mixed, of the mixed messages from Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan earlier this week suggesting the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine is inferior to Moderna's and Pfizer's, which he called the best vaccines, led to clarifications mm-hmm. from the White House COVID-19 response team Friday. Uh, quote, I, I do think it's important to clarify that that was not actually the mayor's intent and that was not the mayor's comment White House COVID-19 response team senior advisor Andy Slavitt said when a reporter asked why Detroit didn't accept 6200 doses of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine this week or last week uh, Duggan's office also issued multiple statements Friday trying to reverse course and explain why the city didn't accept the Johnson and Johnson vaccine doses the state had allocated his office said it was because the city had enough doses of the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines to handle the nearly 29,000 first and second dose appointments scheduled for this week. Slavitt said Duggan's uh, comments were a misunderstanding. Was this a misunderstanding or a misstep? I think it was a misstep. Yeah,
3: that was, that'd be my, when I saw that story, that was my take, too. I mean, I considering how how desperate so many areas are for the vaccine of any kind, I would... uh,
6: Well, I think Mayor Mike goofed. You know, I think he said, well, we don't need those because we already have enough for what we have scheduled, and we've got the good ones. You know, and and it was just just a dumb thing to say.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like I've been saying, oh, I got the Pfizer, that's the Michigan one, you know. I mean, this is something you see that's sort of... Uh, tr- it's sort of like an instinctive loyalty. Yeah, but that's lo- rooting
6: for the home team. That isn't saying theirs is better yeah. than the other guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but, I'm not. And he may have been getting directions from Lansing, which is where the authority is. Well, I no, mean, I is think, there a I think on this one,
6: Henry, he was out there on his own. <laughs> I, you I think, think so? Yeah, I think he stepped on a banana peel.
1: Well, both both uh, the governor and the uh, mayor are being criticized for the same thing. I heard this on Black Talk Radio yesterday from Detroit.
2: Is there competition in reality?
1: Or... I was surprised that they criticized the governor, which they don't typically do.
3: Uh, did she say something similar?
6: Uh, no, I don't think well, so. They as, for that, what, as for what... Um, uh Jan is they is made asking, that assumption. i i i don't it certainly isn't being treated as a competition by the government who is buying these yeah um, right there yeah. there is a certain sense that you know uh sixty or eighty percent efficacy compared to ninety and ninety five percent efficacy there is some feeling that um that that there is some something better about the first two that that were rolled out um but uh, fauci and others have been very quick to say this is 100% effective or 80 or 90% effective in keeping people out of hospitals and 100% effective in uh, curbing death which is the ultimate goal of any vaccine. Yeah. And so he's, he's saying, you know, that they're, they're yeah. all three effective. only requires
3: one shot, and it only requires normal yeah. refrigeration, too, apparently. Yeah.
1: So. Right. And I don't have a problem with uh, any of them. So, but, but, you know, I, I think there is a caveat there that needs to be explained. Why should people in Detroit care about uh these doses when many of them won't take the dose anyway
6: well that's oh, that's, a henry, good, that's a
1: good one.
6: yeah uh, that's that's pardon? a that's a good point henry uh, but but i think i, I think the mayor who has really been encouraging people in detroit to take the vaccines i think he just I, I, I think he screwed up i think he made a mistake yeah. he he said something he shouldn't yeah, have said he you know he, he said we've got enough vaccines for the people that are planning to to get vaccinated or that are scheduled to get vaccinated this week and so we didn't need the others and we already had the good ones and and i think that last little bit you know uh, was you know just just a slip yeah. in <laughs> in his usual but smarts
1: the the um new government policy coming out of washington and out of the cdc and the who and the president's office is that we will create a process for anybody over 50 who wants the dose can apply for it so that would clear up a lot of stuff there where people if you got the drugs then you should use them yeah just get it out to as people as you
2: can I
1: I,
3: I I uh holding yeah, back that, that's the best advice <laughs> whoever can get whatever you whatever shot is out there, get it and it'll make the big the
1: Yeah, the that should be competition.
6: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah while well, well, sitting
1: there with their iron folded and said, Well, I'm not gonna take this. I don't care what they say. Well the, you uh You know what it reminds me of, Henry and you,
6: well, <laughs> It it reminds me of those people who say I'm not going to play the lottery because it's only $2 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not going to play until it's a billion dollars. You right. know, it just... Um, anyway, we got to move on. The Senate passed President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan Saturday after an all-night voterama and a 12-hour struggle to get one Democrat to support the party's plan on a critical issue. The vote was 50 to 49 on a party line vote. The House will, uh, or voted yesterday on the bill to approve changes uh, made in the Senate, or I guess they're voting today. Uh, House Majority Leader Steny Hauer announced, and then it will go to Biden to be signed into law. Biden hailed the Senate passage in remarks from the White House Saturday afternoon, touting his plans, uh, touting his plans, widespread support even if it didn't earn any Republican votes. By passing this plan, we'll have proved that this government, this democracy, can still work. It has to be done. It will improve people's lives, Biden said. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer defended the relief bill's passage along party lines, saying it showed the Republicans that they could do it alone. But doing it alone, how much did this cost President Biden in political capital?
7: But yeah. It
3: would have been so nice too. to have some bipartisan support, but unfortunately these days it's, it's hard to get that support for almost anything. But, yeah, you're exactly right. Well, it would have been much nicer to have a, a bipartisan action on this issue.
1: Well, to go alone, for the president to go alone, that's going to come back and bite him. Because if this thing turns out and the American people turn against us later because of all the tax increases, and the reduction of, of, uh, of benefits social security and all that stuff they're going to be mad It's going to be ready for a fight well that it brings up
6: who will accept the responsibility that brings up another another question um and of course the president is going to be giving his first prime time address tomorrow commemorating the the milestone of the one-year global pandemic uh, shutdown of much of the nation um But he he claims in in his remarks last week, and I'm sure we'll hear more of that tomorrow night, that the public, by and large, Republicans and Democrats, are pretty supportive of the COVID relief plan that was passed. The question is, how significant is that public support to Biden's opposition on the Hill?
2: Right. I mean, they don't seem to be influenced by it yet. I think the only thing that would yeah. change it is if the voters, if the if the GOP voters, start saying to their representatives, uh, "Why why do you keep voting no on this stuff? Why do you keep obstructing?" And I, apparently, that's about the only thing that's going to have any effect. And right now, that's it's not the there's polls that show re, uh, support from some GOP people, but there's not a consequence at the voting booth yet, uh, and I don't know if it will be.
6: Well, that rolls into an interesting thing. Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri, a a member of GOP leadership, announced Monday that he will not run for re-election. The latest Republican senator to announce he's not running next year after 14 general election victories, three to county office, seven to the United States House of Representatives, and four statewide elections. I won't be a candidate for re-election to the United States Senate next year announced in a video message. The unexpected announcement marks the latest decision not to seek re-election by a pragmatic GOP senator willing to reach across the aisle in the post-Trump era as the Republican Party grapples with its future. GOP Senators Rob Portman of Ohio, Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, Richard Shelby of Alabama, and Richard Burr of North Carolina have all indicated they do not intend to run for re-election. So far, no Senate Democrats up for re-election in 2022 have announced plans to retire. Are these retirements putting a crimp in Trump's uh, revenge plans?
3: It seems to at least suggest dissatisfaction with the Trump party by more middle-of-the-road Republicans.
2: I mean, they're just giving up, basically. I mean, to some yeah. degree, it's just. it seems to me like uh, instead of trying to actually fight Trump or try to uh, work with their constituents to say, it, this is me speaking here, Henry, to me, it seems like if they really wanted to be effective and they're disgusted with what's happened, a, a, a more, dare I say, it patriotic role might be to try to say to their constituents over time, Your constituents, this guy, the former guy, has been lying to you. It's not true what he's saying. Uh, let's come back to some policy statements that are based, to, to some policy work in the Republican Party that will help the people. Instead of using up all of our time and energy on supporting a lie and but instead, I think they've just been demoralized uh and made impotent by it, and they're just deciding to give up um I, I personally from where I stand, I think that's really unfortunate uh i they've been you know they've hooked their they've hooked their wagon to to Trump all the way through, and now the the price that they're paying seems to me to be rather dreadful but um they're, to me, it's it's too. I, I mean, I, I just think it's too bad that that's the way they've decided to respond. Ultimately, instead of ever trying to to combat the lies, they're just giving up. So,
1: well, the Republicans don't think they're dead.
6: Well, let me and, let me and, and bring remember, this next. the
1: Republican p- Party still runs the party, not Trump, not Democrats. Well, Nobody let me does.
6: let me bring up this next thing. Oh. I've been looking forward all morning to uh, hearing. Uh, Paul and Henry's response, and it'll be nice to hear from Jan as well on this. Lawyers for former President Donald Trump sent out cease and desist letters Friday to the Republican National Committee, the National Republican Congressional Committee, and the National Republican Senatorial Committee. For using his name and likeness on fundraising (laughs) emails and merchandise, a Trump advisor told CNN. The three entities are the largest fundraising organizations within the GOP that are focused on electing Republicans to office. In filings with the Federal Election Commission... He has converted both his presidential campaign committee, Donald J. Trump for president, and his leadership PAC, Save America, into two political action committees that can support other candidates for office. Trump's campaign committee has become the Make America Great Again PAC, or MAGA PAC. Despite denials, are these developing moves the beginnings of establishing a new party? That, well, you, know, when I, you When I saw
3: that story, uh, that was my reaction. Yeah, yeah either Go, either, either go
6: ahead, Henry.
1: Yeah, go I read ahead. the story, too. But, but I, I'm not moved by all of this because the Republican Party not only provides money of its own mm-hmm. to support the president or his issues, but they also, uh, when they advocate for President Trump, they use his logos and not the Republican Party logos they can give any way they want if it provides a benefit to the president trump and 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 i don't see the problem yet uh and it's unfortunate that that the president has made that decision like that but but they can do that you know they uh like if for example you were running uh, jan uh they would use your logo on their on the, you know their uh, advocacy paper so, that's, that's assuming uh, that I want to be the
2: queen, not the representative. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: but, but you get the picture here. So uh, that, that would add some influence. So they kind of leverage all the influence that President Trump has into securing uh, money from sources that recognize who he is. What's and uh, well, are people who you? support uh, President Trump that won't support yeah. the party. You know, that's,
3: yeah, my my thought was, was was has there ever been a a president or ex president who's who's said to his own party you may not use my name or my image for <laughs> promoting your party? I mean, it's, or or, or know, to raise money for a,
6: other Republicans.
3: That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just bizarre. I've never heard of any candidates responding in that way. Um, but I think that's only. Point, a temporary Henry, response.
1: About, uh,
2: and uh, here's another point that, it, it, as with everything that's going on right now in the party and with Trump, it's it's typical of what we would expect of it being unprecedented and so on. But he's a loser. I mean, he because of him, in my judgment, and every, a lot of other people's, that's why they don't. The Republicans lost Georgia. The, they still, you know, the right now the House is uh, democratically controlled. He's a, he made because of him they are they lost. So what's the big yeah. deal? Here? Why do they keep clinging to this guy?
3: You but know,
1: you, know, you can't say thing, that they it. cling to him when you ask no questions. You have not asked the Republican Party. What is this? Explain yeah. what you're doing. It's, so it's got to come
2: it's, from well, It's magic. It's magic.
3: I, uh, well, well no, and, what's and interesting is is that after after somebody's lost an election like that, usually the party just forgets about him. They almost they they don't see their picture, you don't yeah. hear about him.
1: Yeah. I mean,
3: we, when you take a look at Lyndon That's Johnson typically what State, Jimmy right. Carter yeah. after after '80, I mean, the, the 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 losing party almost forgets about the candidate. Maybe unfortunately, but they do. But here it's almost the reverse of that. Even though he's yeah, South, he's lost. They still idolize them in a bizarre no,
1: kind of no. way. Yeah. Those, when you say Republicans are analy- idolizing, that, that's probably true in part. But there are people outside of that who have no relationship with the Republican Party that also idolize them.
6: Yeah, that's true. And we got to take a, we got to take a break here. True. We'll be back with uh, the final segment of today's uh, edition of Armchair Politics right after this. Hey! <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're
1: listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now.
6: And now, too. And even now.
5: Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot.
6: always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at com.
2: East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint.
6: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics. We uh, have uh, at the roundtable our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. They're joined by Jan Worth Nelson. And this is that part of the show that I always look forward to where we talk about some weird and wacky stories that are are too strange to be true, yet they are. Um, Starting with a Chinese zoo's wolf enclosure is gaining attention online after a visitor captured video of a domesticated dog in the enclosure labeled for its wild canine cousins. A video posted to Chinese social media by a visitor uh, to the zoo in Xianning, uh, Hubei Province shows the dog which appears to be a rottweiler resting in a cage labeled as the wolf exhibit. The filmer said a zoo employee told him there used to be a wolf in the cage, but it died of old age. An official with Forestry Bureau Office of uh, Zining uh, City said the zoo told authorities the dog was being temporarily housed in the wolf enclosure to prevent people from trying to sneak into the zoo by scaling the wall into the habitat. The official said the zoo has now been asked to remove signs from the enclosure that identify its inhabitant as a wolf. Um, Do the wolf signs constitute false advertising?
3: (laughs) Well, maybe it's maybe it's a wolf in dog's clothing. I don't know. (laughs) I wouldn't want to try.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, why do you even need a sign? Who who wants to climb the wall into the wolf?
6: You know. Yeah, exactly. How do you? Yeah, if you were if you were going to use the the wolf exhibit as a shortcut into sneaking into the zoo, how would you know there wasn't a wolf in it? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what man. you call common sense. That's not so common.
6: Well, right. This yeah. th- this is kind of the animal edition of. Uh, the X-Files today. Donna McDonald, office manager at Gregory Haley DDS in Fair Oaks, California, said she was the only person in the building when she heard the crashing sound that she initially thought might be an earthquake. McDonald said she was shocked to see the cause of the ruckus was actually a turkey that crashed through a window into the empty patient consultant area and was clawing at the walls. Animal Control referred McDonald to Gold Country Wildlife Rescue, which sent someone to the scene to evict the turkey. The Wildlife Rescue said the turkey did not appear to be seriously injured and will be released back into the wild. Greg Grimm, treasurer of Gold Country Wildlife Rescue, said the turkey may have seen its own reflection in the window and attacked it, confusing it for a romantic rival amid the mating season for the birds. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't this loony bird realize that there's no threat from a turkey under glass?
3: (laughs) Oh,
1: Oh, boy.
6: (laughs) All right, and and finally... Sounds like a human being.
1: (laughs) Sounds like he has the thoughts of a human being.
6: And finally, officers at a Florida police station looked out from a second-story window and came face-to-face with an unexpected visitor, a green iguana. The Cape Coral Police Department shared photos showing the iguana peeping in through a second-floor window at the station after apparently scaling the side of the building. Quote, have you ever had the feeling you were being watched? Our detectives found this curious iguana looking in the window of their office on the second floor, the department said. Who knew that ig- iguanas are great climbers? Green iguanas are considered an invasive species in Florida and have been blamed for damage to infrastructure including sidewalks and seawalls. The species is native to Central America, south america and some eastern caribbean islands are iguanas also apparently great swimmers
2: <laughs> they must be how'd they get yeah, up to apparently that's
6: what i'm that's what i'm wondering jan is yeah. <laughs> how did they end up in florida
1: they need
2: to Haven't
6: close you your ever
1: some, uh, Well, you might have seen some of the horror movies with uh, iguanas in it <clears throat> in south america And I think
3: that they are considered to be water animals. Well, weren't some of those, I'm not sure about iguanas, but weren't some of the problems with the snakes in Florida, people who had them as pets and then released them into the wild? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: And and there was something like that with alligators in Chicago recently.
3: Uh. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
2: I think probably the same guy that tried to get over the wall to go through the wolf exhibit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah let's, let's go through the alligator pen. This looks it's better than the wolf pen. <laughs>
2: it's the same phenomenon.
3: Right.
6: Well, and and you know, of course, it was an iguana. If it had been a person, who who would be peeping the police station? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Right. Ah. Uh. Uh.
1: Well, I
2: that, think he's a- I think he's a communist from Cuba somehow
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Disguised. there you go and maybe well no, I don't think Russians have iguanas um, <laughs> too cold yeah the um well, that wraps it up for armchair politics, but we have about three minutes left if anybody has any uh any final comments they want to make before we wrap up today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics and the Tom Sumner program?
2: Yeah, I have a quick one. I just looked up my a story that I posted on East Village Magazine uh, one year ago. It was on, actually on March 20th. March 20th, four cases of the coronavirus had been confirmed in Genesee County. Four mm-hmm. cases. It was three women <laughs> and a male. Those were 35, 15, 22, and 54. And now, a year later, we have had 26,276 cases and 759 deaths in Genesee County. Just saying.
3: Yeah. You know, on that same point, Jen, I recall about actually about the same time, about a year ago, I was getting rid of some magazines and I found a very short two sentence paragraph, two sentence news story in Time magazine out of a January issue that talked about an odd virus in China that nobody even had a name for yet. They they didn't know how serious it was, and it was, again, on page 9 or 10 and stuck away in a corner. And that was the first notice that I had ever seen of this, this virus in, in a, a little, little, literally a two-sentence story on page 9 or 10 of Time magazine.
6: Well, I think it was yeah. yesterday yeah. or the day before, um, you know, how Facebook will bring up those, <clears throat> those memories from a year ago. Yeah. And yeah. a year to the day and that's just this week monday or tuesday a year to the day there was a photograph taken of me and paul Rosicki. Oh, and <laughs> and i and I, uh, and I shared i shared the memory uh, on my facebook page um, because it seems like so much longer ago than a year
1: it really paul does. and
6: i were at a we had press badges on. We were at a Bernie Sanders event at Ballinger Fieldhouse. Oh Field yeah, House, right. And it was literally yeah. the, you know, like the day before, or, or the week of the um, so the, the beginning primary, of the shutdowns.
3: My, yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, you know, what's, what's interesting is 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 that that rally, and then the one just a day or two later for Biden at uh, at the Burston. Those were really the last of the old-style public rallies before the shutdown. I mean, after that, everybody, I mean, had, they had rallies. People were just beginning
6: river. to talk about COVID-19. That's right. And, yeah. and yeah. I remember um, somebody was there getting petitions signed. I can't remember who it was.
1: Hmm. And was you it? probably saw my granddaughter taking pictures.
6: And, yeah. and I, I remember Paul and I jokingly doing an elbow bump. Wow. <laughs> that's right because people that's were right. just starting to talk about this idea that we should be social distancing well again and nobody was wearing masks at that time no no not at all yeah um
2: For a year i mean the idea that we're all still alive all of us at least what a year it has been huh my goodness well, that's, that's, fatally, wow. that's, that's what exciting. i posted
6: on this when i shared the picture that's what i posted I can't believe this was only a year ago, because it seems like it's been so much longer. It really does, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, um, it. it uh, I, I wish it had gone by as quickly as this show has gone by. It's uh, <laughs> time to wrap things up, but not before once again I, I say how much I appreciate the fact that... Um, that you, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, the Roundtable regulars, have continued to be a part of this uh, every week, even though we've had to do it by phone. And Jan, it's always uh, an honor and a privilege to have you join us. is
2: mutual.
3: Good.
6: Yep. And that's Smoking okay. George tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the uh, living room. But I'll be back tomorrow morning at nine o'clock with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody.
0: The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions.